the future of the College of Western Idaho now on the Boise Dev Podcast. And so I think you're going to see a much more visible and um, present CWI in Boise over the coming years. New CWI President Gordon Jones joins us to talk about his new role and the campus visioning process that could bring high-profile new campuses both to Canyon County and along the river in Boise. That's next. This is the Boise Dev Podcast. Here's your host, Don Day. Gordon Jones, welcome to the Boise Dev Podcast. Thanks, Don. It's great to be here with you and appreciate the chance to be on the show. You know, it's fun to talk to you in this format. Usually uh, it was... Uh, brief comments back and forth at CCDC meetings. You've now left that board and uh, you are full time at the College of Western Idaho. How's the job going so far? To be honest with you, it's going great. I've I've um, uh, this is for me continuation of my passion for public higher ed leadership in public higher ed and, and more specifically a real passion for this community, the Treasure Valley, for Idaho, and for the um, very dynamic environment in which we're operating. A lot of change, a lot of both growth, but ultimately um, a future is being shaped today. And I have a real passion for that specifically in higher ed, but I know that applies to a lot of other areas as well. So I'm doing great. So you've got kind of an interesting path getting here. Obviously, uh, you had a, a corporate career. You were at Procter and Gamble, uh, and then you were at Harvard, and then you landed in Boise. I know it's kind of old news to some people, but tell us about the process from uh, leaving one of the more respected schools in the nation behind and coming to to Boise and Boise State. <laughs> Yeah, sure. For those folks that might uh, be interested in my background, um, I have I have uh, made a my career arc has always included education. In some cases, it was more my um, second vocation for certain chapters of my life, but um, always was present. I actually my first job after college um, was teaching high school in rural Arizona. I taught a little 130, 140 person high school on a 30,000 acre cattle ranch in central, north central Arizona. Uh, cattle outnumbered students. Uh, I think it was five to one by my by my best count. So um, I have a lot of passion for what I think rural educators in the Intermountain West go through. We all wore a lot of hats. Um, very applied education, though. And the reason I bring that up is because that's actually a hallmark of um, a lot of my higher ed work is the belief in the um, making sure every student has the ability to apply their learning because we're all going to ultimately be putting our talents to work in some way, shape or form. I did have a career background. I was full time with Gillette. I actually was a consultant with P&G. P&G bought Gillette for those that are really looking for deep trivia. Um, but <laughs> that background um, married with higher ed is always I think organizations have always been um seeing in me somebody who has a passion for not just delivering on what we do today, but also never wanting to grow complacent and believing that um, the status quo of what we've done historic, historically is a success formula for the future. Um, I think we're in such a change era and particularly where we are today, obviously, the technology-enabled world we're in, the globalization, the growth of Idaho, if I apply it to an Idaho 
um, what that all means for us. This is this this community we all know is not the same as it was five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago. So it it's a reasonable extension to believe that how we do the work we do, whether we're state government, whether we're the private sector, it makes arguably no sense to believe that what we've done 15 years ago is currently just as applicable. And so I live in a world and as a leader, I want to be someone who encourage our, encourages us to think forward looking, think about where the ball you know, may be headed, so to speak, or what's around the bend proverbially while also continuing to do the good work of today. So I moved here in 2015. I was at Harvard, uh, a second half move back from the private sector into higher ed. And my real passion is public higher ed. Um, Harvard actually, ironically, not being public. I spent a lot of time entertaining um, leadership from public higher ed institutions coming to Harvard. Um, seems like there's many leaders who kind of make pilgrimages there to um, see what's going on. If not to Harvard, it's Stanford. And um, I like that school too. Yeah, well, we, we both do. I think if, if we look in our backgrounds, there may be one of those two institutions. But I just say that yeah. what I recognized is um, I'm not convinced that public higher ed should be looking to Ivy League or top 10 schools for a formula for success for themselves. And I found many schools coming effectively doing that, saying, tell us what you did, because we want to do that. And I'd say my first question for a couple hundred of these schools in my time at Harvard, why do you want to do what we're doing? And what we were doing at the time I was leading, it's called the Harvard Innovation Lab. It was designed to um, do a lot of empowering of students in ways that only an Ivy League school could. Um, but in terms of resourcing, but they never, I never was very impressed with the answers. I found, frankly, it was very lemming. Like it was very involved with right. alum told me we really want to do this. We think this could be good for, you know, fundraising or reputationally, this is kind of where the ball is headed. And, um, I kind of dug into the issue of public higher ed and I don't want to make my answer too long, but I just say this public higher education has a very unique social contract with society that I do not believe private institutions necessarily have. And it's one that's built on the idea that we are a doorway for economic and social mobility. We should be helping as many people as possible focused on helping them get the education that's at the level of higher ed, but ultimately equipping them for an affordable education that leads them ultimately to be productive in society and gives them movement upward. So we should be of all people focused on affordability, making sure we're known for how many people we include, not exclude. I don't care. My admission statistics should be celebrating the high numbers we let in, not the high numbers we exclude. And we should be focused most and first and foremost on economic mobility, which really translates to me to employability. So I've made that a lot of my work. I'll stop there because it relates to both Boise State, but also CWI. It's a longer, longer answer than maybe you expected. So I'll stop and I'm happy to go deeper if you want. No, I think it's interesting. You talk about that, that sort of that doorway. I imagine that you had a lot of doorways open to you when you were kind of looking to see what was next. Why was, why was the Boise one, the appealing one, obviously I think this applies to right. You were at Boise state. Now you're at CWI. Why was that the thing that you're like, yeah, the treasure Valley is the place I, I want to go and, and try some of these things and these passions I have. Well, I think so, so we're still discussing the move from Harvard to Boise, which could have been Boise State, could be CWI. I, I think it's a fair um, 
at adding those two together. I, I think it's this. Um, I believe that higher ed is integral to this country's model of being a place that many people around the world look to as a shining example of a place they they wish their own countries emulated. Um, there's a reason so many international students come to this country to learn. Higher ed and college is where the rest of the world recognizes we do it well. Um, we are known for um, creating leaders of many other countries across our systems. However, within the US higher ed system, I look at what, again, I'm a very forward-looking person. It's what I've done in the private sector. We're, just because we've done things for 10 years this way doesn't, we need to know what we're going to be successful the next 10 years. So when I look at what I think the future holds for higher ed, I think that parts of our higher ed system have gotten um, out of whack in their affordability. The cost of going to college is, uh, in some cases, out of control. It's, it doesn't match up to what we deliver. We have an industry in U.S., public Department of Education data. One out of two students don't graduate in this country in six years. And that's just a fact. That's across this industry. And so when you're now taking the price of going to college higher and higher, average debt burdens, um, depending on what segment of the market, between thirty dollars to $80,000, and we know people who have much more than that, um, the, 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 the consequences of failure are quite high for people who step into higher ed today if they don't make it. And unfortunately, that's one out of two nationally. And when you look at Pell eligible, people who are really trusting higher ed in America to get them and their families up a level, what led my grandfather, the son of a carpenter, to step in and believe he might have options, um, it's not always a sure thing. And yet we have a model where we're encouraging students to go and on. And so I chose Boise because I believe higher ed is going to play out our relevance, this potential corrosion of public trust in higher ed. It's gonna play out at our regional public universities and our community colleges more than it's gonna play out at a top 25 university. So while I personally, maybe in theory and practice could have had a lot of options career-wise, my passion is this problem of the value proposition of public higher ed. And I believe that places like Boise, Idaho are actually gonna be places where we are the um, either the leader or the laggard and we have to choose. And yet we're a place that's still in momentum, we're building, we're growing, we have a future. We have more control over than other places because we, and I use the royal we of this community, is still in a place where you have many of us actively wanting to be involved, a door that's still fairly open to being involved in the shaping of what's going to be a large state and a large metro area. And so I think we have the chance to be leading more than we may even realize into the future if we choose to. If not, we can go the way of many other places that let the chips fall where they wait, where they go strategy, which is we're kind of content with where we are and let's just see if we do well this year and maybe not next year. That's not my posture for CWI, but I think we have a place to have more influence than we may realize. And that's what drove me to seeing this area as a valuable. As an aside, I love it here. I'm raising my family. It's all the things we all think of. I love the outdoors, but I came here with a passion for public education at the higher ed level. And that's why I'm here. You know, you talk about the outdoors, your, uh, your Twitter bio, which I'm just pulling back up has a giant picture of 
I grew up in Idaho and I don't know what fish that is, but a giant picture of some sort of fish. Uh, so I can see that. That's a bull trout. <laughs> a bull trout. See, I, see I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my Idahoan card uh, taken away <laughs> for not knowing what that was. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. You, you sound a lot like Dr. Trump and the vision that she lays out for, for education. You spent six years over at Boise State and really launched that College of Indication Design, launched a lot of programs, raised a lot of money. Opportunity comes along and they're like, hey, we need somebody to run the community college here. We're going to do a national search and they land on you. What was it that spoke to you in saying, this is where I want to apply all those things that you've just talked about to the community college world and those students who are really looking for that big next step up? Well, I think it's um, first and the short answer is my belief that I actually I'll explain why, but I believe community colleges are actually sitting in a position to actually write a number of playbooks that may inform our four year brothers and sisters in the higher ed ecosystem. There's a lot of things that the community colleges have maintained that I think are part of a winning winning formula for our society. Um, I think any of our four-year institutions, whether it's in Idaho or outside, have to be very careful that we don't fall victim to what I think are traditional strategies, which is um, we want to sort of launch what I call the 200-year plan to become uh, Harvard or Stanford, um, where we're going to sort of get better at everything. We're going we're gonna to solve I don't know. I'm going to use an example. It's not true, but it's illustrative. We're going to solve cancer. You are doing research out of Boise, Idaho. We have to think more sharply about what are what are the areas that as institutions, there's 4,000 higher ed institutions in this country. It's not clear to me that being great at everything is really a smart strategy. I think you have to pick when you're in a, um, you know, we're a top 100 metro area in this country. The reason it's called top 100 is because we're not top 80. We're the 80th to 100th in metro area. And so you have to understand what our size and at our scale for impact, what do we want to be really well known for? And we have to be choiceful about doing that. And if you're going to do areas, I don't do research at the community college level, but I would just, I'm happy to say generically, I won't speak about specific institutions that I'm not leading, but you have to be careful because when you start to pursue greatness across a very wide spectrum, in my experience, invariably what happens is your tuition to students goes up and, um, you know, state and federal funding of higher ed, um, I don't predict that those are going to be funding sources for public higher ed that increase significantly over time. I make no judgment on that. I'm just saying it as a more my predicted and what we've baked into our strategy at CWI is we want to win our favor. We want to be favorably viewed. But at the end of the day, I don't believe public monies are going to be um, the source of funding necessary to do greatness across wide swaths of areas we could work on. And so I think we have to be very careful about that breadth because I'm fearful students will bear that tuition. And I, I won't replay for you, but you know, we all know public higher institutions where when you're a, even an in-state student, the cost is above $20,000. 
and it gets hard to get into those places. And you start to leave what I think is the purpose of public higher ed, which is high access affordability that leads to employability. So community colleges, when I reference that, I look at a CWI and I look at other community colleges. What I see is they've already maintained a deep commitment to affordability. At CWI, we cost $3,300 a year for a full-time 24-hour credit load. That's 40% the cost of our own in-state four-year institutions. So when you want to talk about instant affordability, if you're a student who even wanted to do their first two years doing guaranteed core curriculum that is guaranteed transferability within Idaho, I can offer people in Idaho a 60% instant air quote discount just by coming to a community college. And in fact, I even have come across faculty at CWI who with glee tell me, I know our students are getting the same caliber education as our four-year publics in this courses I teach in math and English. And they'll say, you know how I know that? It's because I teach at both places. <laughs> so our students are getting the same, in some cases, the same faculty. So the affordability, we, we have maintained a deep commitment to. We're here for everybody. Uh, as long as you have a GED or a high school graduation, um, I'm not even counting dual enrollment, which we do also accept and, and lead the state in. Uh, you have high access, and then we're deeply, by definition, focused exclusively and adamantly around employability. Or for a small subsegment who want to go to four-year schools, we'll help you get there. But I know from those statistics, most students want to get employed after that, too. So we're very committed to employability as the outcome. We're unabashed about that. And we have jobs and employers that are telling me, please send me your two-year grads. These are jobs that pay sixty dollars to $100,000, they tell me. So when I look at return on investment for $6,600, two years of that full-time tuition, let's round it up, $7,500, you can get a job at sixty dollars to $100,000 that has career growth. I want to be spreading the word about that. It's why I want to spend time on your podcast and others, because it goes way beyond um, just us knowing about it. And um, so that's my why for CWI. It's actually a question I ask my employees, is my employees, my partners, my colleagues. What's your why for CWI? And I can tell you, I'm unabashed about the value we represent, and we know exactly what we do here, and we know what we don't do. And that's important because we're long-term committed to uh, affordability and employability, and that's our sweet spot. This is probably a good spot to disclose that uh, my reporter, Anna Daly, is a CWI professor, um, also teaches at uh, NNU. And as a reporter for us, um, she doesn't uh, handle our editorial stuff on CWI, but I think important to say that when you look at I'm struck because you talk about not wanting to be the best at everything. And I think you kind of talk about it there, but I'd love to tease out what is it that CWI wants to be the best at? What is it that thing that you're like, this is what it is? Is it the affordability? Is it the employability? Or is there something more nuanced there? Well, I want to, first of all, I answer these questions trying to be as simplified, and there's always levels of granularity below them that make up that answer. So I will say at the highest level, if we maintain clear affordability 
that allows individuals to get high, high employability, that economic and social mobility. That's the promise of public higher ed I referenced earlier. I can create for our society, in this case, locally, we serve the Treasure Valley, but that happens to be half the state's population. I'm trying to create the kind of individuals who are going to be in a position to help build Idaho with the jobs they step into and the voice they add to society. And I can do that with a very high return on investment. So that is the success formula for us. Now, we do that with a relentless focus on being in relationship and wanting to be in relationship with our community. That looks like towns, mayors, um, municipal groups, but it also looks like all the employers we know that make up this very diversified Treasure Valley. And that's why we do programs that look like health sciences, nursing, medical assistance, CNA, practical nursing, surgical tech, but we also do horticulture, Many of your listeners may not realize the kind of ag exports that come out of our Canyon County, and in some cases, Ada County. $500 million, I will. I last heard at the Nampa Ag Chamber for Canyon County of exports. So we have horticulture, which looks like a new 20-acre test farm that will be out here in Nampa on our 100-plus 100, 100 acres. It looks like showcasing in a fast-growing environment. What does farm-to-table look like? We don't believe in... You know, a future, we've all learned from supply chain issues, you know, sh shipping kumquats from Indonesia may not be um, a success formula for affordable access to high quality food when we live in such fertile valleys. And we're showcasing an urban growth environment where that can help. Where is um, the industries that we need to support? That looks like post and firefighting, uh, HVAC, plumbing. At, you know, um, mechanics, um, light robotics, that looks like metal fabrication, but it also looks like academic transfer. I already spoke to the value that represents for people to get their first two years in here at affordability rates. Um, that also looks like um, related workforce development, um, how we can help continuing education um, for people. It looks like dual enrollment. Talk about affordability. We're the largest provider in the state for high school students to go get college credit that gives them advanced standing. Um, again, we're 29,000 students. Your listeners may not realize that. And that's the largest institution on a pure headcount basis mm -hmm. um, in the state. Now, we, we know we're at the two-year mark with variety of workforce degrees, but it's affordability and employability is the formula for tomorrow and for the foreseeable future um, matched with whatever jobs need to be feeding this community. Is upskilling a big part of that? You know, when I talk to larger employers or listen to listen to larger employers, that seems to be a significant thing. You and I were at a Boise Chamber event last fall and uh, Simplot CEO Garrett Lofto talked about kind of those those being a big thing is looking for employees who are upskilling and who are growing. Uh, I believe you have a partnership with a uh, large e-commerce company out of Seattle um, and some others, right? Are you seeing more students that are like, I got some skills here, but I'm hoping to grow into a teacher or a nurse or a, even HVAC or horticulture. Is that a big piece? You know, I would, well, I would frame it this way. And I've talked with some of the people you've mentioned and others who are leading larger organizations in this valley. I think the upskilling and reskilling is really recognizing it's part of a, I'll use, I think our listeners can appreciate a human capital strategy. Um, we all know it's very difficult, a tight labor market 
Um, again, CWI hopes to feed that labor market. We all know that we have jobs to be filled and CWI can do that very quickly. But I also think that one of the recognition from our leaders is we have, we have our own employees. So it's not always the employee who's working at one employer who wants to go be a teacher at another place, although that absolutely is a part of upskill, reskill. It's recognizing we may have jobs within our own organizations that we can't fill, but we have people who can be promotable if they can get that reskill, upskill moment. Yes, we do that. Yes, we want to do more of that. And yes, we're talking to employers about what we can do because we can design more quickly than your average institution. And we are comfortable with being employer oriented. That doesn't hurt our agenda. That's actually what our agenda is designed to do is to match um, the empowerment and social and economic mobility that public higher ed does for our students. Okay, let's talk about the campus visioning plan for CWI. Um, I, I will admit this news release came out in April and went, flew on by me. And as I looked uh, at the other news outlets in town, uh, it flew right on by them too. And um, that surprised me uh, because uh, the college has has said it's going to move forward with some uh, fairly long, large scale, but still kind of visionary plans for both Nampa campus um, and the downtown Boise campus. And as we talked a little bit about before we got on, the, the downtown Boise campus was controversial when it was purchased in the middle of the last decade. Um, so this is big news then, and the news release came out and nobody noticed. So I'm excited to talk to you about this and uh, flesh the story out. Let's start with Canyon County. You mentioned uh, kind of the agriculture, agribusiness, horticulture components there. What's the real central idea for what you hope to do um, in Nampa at once was what was once called the Boise State West Campus and is now uh, CWI's future home. Yeah. So there's, um, first thing I'd just say is, um, uh, related to the press coverage, I would just say, I, I promise your audience will get to know CWI much more visibly over the coming years. No, so, it's, not a, um, it's not a criticism of, of, of anyone at all. I'm just saying I miss no, what I'm, I think I'm is big news and I appreciate Ashley in your office for being like, Hey, you want to do a podcast with Gordon? This is a big deal. I mean, being like, Oh yeah, it is a big deal. Well, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot that's about that's happening and I certainly appreciate the chance to share it. I'd say if you understand the history of CWI, you'll appreciate where the, the position we're in and where we're going. Um, this institution, for those that don't know, is still only 13 years old, and at 29,000 people served, um, it is uh, a story of a college that's been effectively um, rapidly growth, rapid growth that's almost uh, astronomical. I would like to know the enrollment of U of I, Boise State, uh, Idaho State in year 12. I promise you it was um, <laughs> nothing close to 29,000 because uh, they're not, in some cases, not even there yet. So to appreciate that, and then those, those listeners who are running larger organizations can appreciate the leadership team here, and I won't speak for them because it predates my arrival, but what I can forensically deduce is what we've all probably would have done is we had to find space quickly and we ended up in a very distributed model where we have leased space across Ada and Canyon County to try to create the facilities that didn't exist um, other than one building. This, this 
this campus sort of inherited one building from the Nampa campus and Boise State's uh, contributions to a community effort to create this community college, but that included from Boise State this land out here in one academic building. So we've had a lot of lease space that ranged from the penitentiary out in Boise, the old penitentiary, to uh, to can't, uh, rented space near uh, sort of um, over by the Costco in Boise, um, over by 184 interchange, all the way out to the 55 towards Marsing space out in Canyon County. So where we've realized is that kind of growth, we needed a, a more coordinated strategy. We all know the rising cost of leased space and rental space and really the desire to recognize that congregated learning Having a more thematic campus strategy is where we need to go. It's a natural evolution, and certainly it's accelerated as we see that, uh, like we all know, uh, lease space from individual renters to commercial property, it's only going up in this area. So why not deploy our capital in a way that we are investing in our own campuses and spaces rather than lease lease, lease, uh, properties? So we do have a approval from our board to a master plan that's going to have us investing in um, immediately two buildings out here in Nampa. But long-term, the thesis is let's create a congregated learning on this 100 acres here off Garrity Boulevard and um, make sure that the activities thematically, you will find us, and I'll give you a few, or a representative, horticulture, health sciences, all the health work we do academic transfer, career technical education. That's all gonna be congregated around this Nampa campus, a belief that it's at the center of this metro area and where the growth is headed and is, that central location is a good place for a very large footprint. And um, we we have our state putting in money for health sciences and horticulture. Those are two different buildings. And we have a financing plan in place and a desire to invite some of our community partners, we're just now starting out, stepping out to, to invest and partner with us. But we will be building these two buildings. We have the plan and the confidence that these are uh, these are things we will be doing and outside of a um, black swan event, um, we will be uh, on the move and you'll see us moving as quickly as we can, but that's public news. So that's Nampa. And I don't know if you want to shift to Boise, but I'll pause in case there's more to the Nampa story. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's such an interesting, it's a big piece of land in an area that's, that's rapidly changing in Canyon County. Um, when you look at the, the site plan, at least what was in the board packet uh, for your trustees last month, it's still a lot of open space. I mean, is there, is it looked at as like, Hey, this is where we're going to start. We have a long way to grow. Is that, kind of the thought there yeah it is and i mean i think you know anytime you do long-term planning like this you know i've i've kept in my mind that i'm a steward on behalf of whoever succeeds me and i have no intention i'm a i'm an all-in on idaho public higher ed person so i have no plans in a short term on my board uh you know i'm hired at the board of uh, the pleasure of my board but I'm always trying to think about longitudinally. And I think as a culture at CWI, I certainly emphasize that we do believe in a growing community and a growing state. We have many more people to serve. We have to think longitudinally, which is very difficult for public entities to often plan. And I give credit to our board, 
to my leadership team and others that these are the first moves on a chessboard, so to speak, and it will take decades. Um, but you are watching us design for an attractive campus, one that is incremental. I've told our legislature, I'm the last to want to go build buildings in a world where I know there's a high growth in modalities like online, but I know we are equally committed to in-person learning. And quite honestly, our distributed model, we have to catch up to the growth we've already been received. We've already received. And so this is about trying to digest and create the conditions that allow us to serve, frankly, the numbers we currently have with some capacity growth for um, what we believe will be future growth as well. Specifically, the first buildings we're building are around health sciences and horticulture, but we do have plans for a future student success building. That looks like the beginnings of a quad that you might think of. And then you'll start to see future plans that um, our board always has the pleasure of evolving what they've approved. But you'll see that take shape. But, yes, it's a large piece of land. But my, my main responsibility is to make the first moves that I believe represent decades of what will be hopefully smart moves to design a campus that can fully serve a very large, what appears to be, a future very large metro area that may be top 80, top 60, top 50. We'll see. So then you move uh, over here to the east to downtown Boise and uh, the the college purchased a piece of land. Uh, for those of us who have been around, I'll know it as uh, the, the Bob Rice Ford site uh, right on the Boise River at Main Street and Whitewater Park Boulevard. Um Really interesting piece of land. It's a big, empty parking lot befitting a car dealership right now. Um, but CWI is saying that they're going to look at sort of a mixed-use facility here. What does mixed-use mean in terms of that? Obviously, education would be one of those uses, but what's kind of the idea here for the the Boise site? And for your listeners, what I'd just say is, uh, you know, again, we're talking about that Whitewater Boulevard in Maine. It's 13 acres, the former Bob Rice Auto Dealership right on the river. Um, It is a stunning and beautiful piece of property when you think about how stunning and beautifully Boise over the last decade to 15 years has gone through this period of transformation and growth that I'm going to presume predates both myself and you, um, Don, but, um, and I may be right or wrong. So I apologize. Certainly predates me, but I would just say I've been that, around 40 years. So it yeah. predates me. <laughs> um, but we, for those that don't realize, you know, may not realize as CWI, we are, um, a partial, you know, we are funded and partially funded by our taxpayers and Ada and Canyon County. And first, first implied question to answer is why Boise? It's well, why? It's because we feel deeply and we are uh, governance wise and committed uh, strategically to serving both Ada and Canyon County. Um, the 29,000 students I mentioned, a uh, high 80% come from Ada and Canyon County. And so it's part of this move to have uh, campus, congregated campus learning environments. We fully believe and are committed to the uh, Boise presence and the representation in Ada County that that property we own represents. So it's very important to us. And we are very excited about joining a very dynamic growth of a city. And so I think you're going to see a much more visible and um, present CWI in Boise over the coming years. So 
So what mixed use means and where we're, we're in the very beginning. So although um, this is still very fresh news, uh, what our board approved in our last meeting is we do believe in this case, we want to step out and invite our developer community, a lot of the um, visionary business leaders in the development community to come alongside this effort in doing a public-private partnership where developers, our hope, would see that vision that we see and the beauty of that property and what could be to satisfy the learning needs we may have and married with their creativity around what could be. So uh, it could be a lot of things, and I'm going to invite our developer community, and we're going to have um, um, a lot of dialogue with those that are the coalition of the willing there. Um, we want to reach out if people want us to reach out to them. We want to spread the word, but I'm not going to prescribe any particular use. I'm going to allow my team to evaluate. Ultimately, our board, I'm sure, will give input, if not more, around what this um, final vision could be. But we're at the starting gate. It could be everything from, um, you know, depending on needs, what could be uh, employment related, it could be living related, it could be some hybrid. Um, we think that property has a lot of potential ways. We all know it has tremendous access. We like that for learning because it's it's a, it's a, it's a place you can reach by bike, by bus, by uh, 184 interchange. It's um, very good proximity to our community downtown for internships, for uh, student learning, and for teaching. Because, again, what you mentioned with Anna Day is true in many of our employers. Most employers have employees who actually teach at CWI. Many of these, I come across many, and they're dedicated and they're critical because we want the applied or what academic community would say is clinician perspective in the classroom. We thrive on that because employability is such a core component to what we do. So um, I don't have a great answer for you because I don't want to prescribe. I want our developer partners to uh, to be in discussion and we want to arrive at what could be a very compelling value added would be a term I say, which is, um, you know, we want to add value to the communities that we're in. We think the learning environment we have will be valuable, but we don't need all of that land for some of the teaching and learning space. And so that's why we've turned to this public-private partnership. So does that look like an RFP process? Is that, is there a timeline? What are some of the next steps for that? The short answer is yes. I think um, I've asked my executive vice president, Craig Brown, who has been the responsible for our campus planning and campus vision day-to-day -day work to um, begin that process. And he will be coming out shortly with more definitive dates and a process. Um, nobody who's listening, if, the, if it's May 2nd or later, uh, if it's still May, you know, nobody's too late. So uh, any and all, please reach out is the short answer here. If you feel like this is the first time you're hearing this, which is quite possible. I think we will make efforts to broadly communicate this podcast being one um, to our community that we want to talk to you if you want to talk to us. And um, so that's forthcoming, but it's not it's not a process that's going to be um, slow and meandering. I think um, I'm just communicating that it will be forthcoming and it will have a crispness in terms of dates. Um, but 
I will leave it for now as it's forthcoming and um, and expect it shortly. But if you're listening to this within the month of May 2022, by no means you've not missed the boat at all. Please reach out and um, Craig Brown at CWI, or you can reach out to myself. I'll, I'm happy to give my email. It's gojones at cwi.edu, and I can get you over to Craig or one of uh, our colleagues to that. Do you see Urban Renewal play, playing a piece of this? You've got uh, the Capital City Development Corporation, whose board used to be on. Uh, this is in one of their urban renewal areas. Is that a component here? Is that something you see possible? The short answer is I do. I do. And, um, and I think that's absolutely uh, um, a community stakeholder that's obviously I have a lot of uh, respect and uh, experience with CCDC. I think it's um, a wonderful tool for helping these areas be revitalized and have public dollars delivered towards public good uh, as part of these developer projects, um, led projects. But I'll leave it there. I think it's to be determined to the degree and the extent but I certainly um, view it as quite possible and something that I feel is could be very interesting to have in the mix. Sounds like there's a lot of interesting things going on at, at CWI. If you listen to this podcast before, you know I like, like to end on uh, a question that, that surprises my guest. And so the question here is, how many times have you heard complaints about not choosing Sparkles as the mascot? <laughs> Um, I've, I've heard it a few times. Um, but that being said, I really am, um, reverence to what sparkles represented, which I think is a uh, spirit of CWI that speaks to, um, you know, uh, we think differently. We're comfortable with not trying to be like everybody else. Um, and at the same time, we are very enthusiastic about what we have chosen as a community is the otters. And um, that is both a uh, furry friend that will be uh, we're in a process of determining what um, that furry friend will look like and sound like. But um, I will say it's also a nod to uh, at least informally uh, a governor who had a lot of vision to recognize that this community needed a college of Western Idaho, a community college in a metro area that didn't even have one and um, was the largest metro area in the country without a community college back when the voters voted to approve it. So um, we're certainly looking forward to otters, but no disrespect to sparkles. <laughs> That's a very, uh, uh, you could go into politics one day, I think. Gordon Jones, president of the College of Western Idaho. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it.